there's a verse that comes to my mind right now. Um, it's John 6, 28 and 29. And these well-meaning people came to Jesus saying, what must we do to work the works of God? You know, it's just so many of us are, you know, primed to do. What do I need to do, you know, yeah. to prove myself to God, to earn his favor? And Jesus says, the work of God is this. Believe in the one whom he sent, i.e. Jesus. Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. Back in 2008, Ryan Haley was an overachiever and a helicopter pilot with the U.S. Navy who was living the good life in beautiful San Diego, California. That all changed following a helicopter crash on July 31st that year, about a month before he was scheduled for his first deployment. Following the accident, Ryan began to reconsider his views of success and how we earn it, as well as the faith he had walked away from and misunderstood. Ryan joins us to talk about the lessons he's learned over the past 10 plus years and to discuss his podcast and upcoming book, both aptly named A Better Way. Ryan, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks for having me on, Ed. It's always uh, it's fun, kind of funny being on the other side of the table with these things. Yeah, it's really funny. You and I know each other. We've known each other for a number of years, so it's great to kind of catch up. You're, you live out of town, and, and you're in town for a wedding, so. Yeah. So let's start talking about the accident, the crash, because my understanding is it was pretty serious. The simulations were pretty bad, and, and you walked away from a crash that you probably shouldn't have walked away from. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, so just a little correction. It was July 31st, 07. Um, that that happened and uh, I'll never forget that day because it was my dad's birthday and uh, I was about to turn 27 it was about a uh, six weeks before I turned 27 but anyways yeah I was uh, about to go on my first deployment like you said and I was flying a SH-60 Bravo Seahawk helicopter it's like the Navy's version of the Blackhawk and I was just doing a routine practice flight in San Diego and got off parameters on one particular maneuver where we simulate that we've lost our engines so it's called a practice auto rotation got too low on my airspeed and tried to salvage the maneuver instead of waving off and just going around and trying again. And by trying to salvage a bad maneuver, I actually made it a lot worse. So we ended up getting into a really high rate of descent. And it wasn't until about 100 feet off the ground, both the other pilot and myself realized we were in a pretty bad way and we both pulled full power, but we were you know, falling down too fast. So the uh, aircraft hit right wing down broke off the right main landing gear. We popped up, did a 180 hydraulic fluid, sprayed all over my right side window. I was flying on the right side. And, uh, you know, of course, all these klaxons and warnings and everything going mad in the cockpit. But we were able to re recover control of the aircraft. And um, long story short, after, you know, several hours of debating and thinking, we ended up landing safely back at home base. And that was kind of a miracle in itself. In fact, I just talked to somebody the other day who said maybe that was the Holy Spirit either through my hands on the controls because I actually had to take control since uh, the issue was we didn't have a right side main landing gear. So, you know, we've got the left one, not the right. We got these spinning rotor blades above us. So the issue is how are we going to land safely? So we had to kind of put together a makeshift crash pad of old pallets and mattresses from the hangar. So so you were flying still after that oh, kind yeah. of mess yeah. up and, and then you're calling ahead and saying, guys, we got a problem and get yeah, ready so for us. Yeah, so I, I can, you know, I was the co-pilot, even though I was at the controls, the more experienced pilot was in the left seat. And so he took controls after the crash he made the decision to fly back to base and then once we got there we let the maintenance guys know what was going on so 
um, a lot of just little things along the way that were kind of miraculous in themselves. You know, we were at this point, it was a late afternoon flight. So not only has this just happened and we've got this whole decision matrix of how we're going to, you know, either land at the outlying field we were at or come back to home base. But then um, I kind of checked out for a while, which I didn't remember until some of the post-flight interviews. But I, I was just, you know, he when we were flying back over the water, coming back home, he was, the other pilot was telling me, you know, um, trying to get me to do something. And I was just gone. And so he's like, okay, I'm, I'm by myself on this one. So we finally get back. We're pushing daylight. It's almost nighttime. We're almost out of fuel. We've got, you know, one main landing gear gone. And, um, anyways, we come in and the, the guy in the back, the crewman, very uh, astutely realized that even though that looked about the right height for what they put together, this is a heavy bird, so we we're going to compress that about two times. So he said, make that twice as high as it looks like it should need to be. And then eventually the pilot command said, you know, I can't see because it's, you know, it's on your side, so you're going to have to fly this. And it was like, okay, now <laughs> I'm back on the controls, putting a, you know, a very sticky situation after having just crashed and all those thoughts going through my head. So, um, Anyways, I'm telling you, I put that thing down so perfectly. It's like you couldn't have lifted it better with a crane. And then just talking to somebody yesterday, like, you know, that might have been the second time that God intervened or the third or fourth. So, you know, one of the things before we had the crash, for no apparent reason, the air crewman in the back just decided he needed to lock his harness, which he should have been technically already by the book. But, you know, a lot of times they get complacent. They're moving around doing stuff in the back. So he just had this gut feeling he needed to lock his harness for no apparent reason which was really good because he had some back and neck injuries, which would have been much worse had he not locked his harness. Then, you know, we crash, we survive, we have the perfect landing back home on that crash pad. But when the safety mishap board uh, leader came back, who is the executive officer of the squadron, he said, Ryan, I have run these models and simulations seven ways from Sunday. And based on all the onboard sensors at the time of the crash, all the data we have, every single time in the models, you're helicopter goes into what's called dynamic rollover so the rotor blades hit the runway in the simulations and then we go into a very bad mm -hmm. state after that that you don't usually recover from so he's like i have no idea how those rotor blades did not hit the runway so it's interesting i called you a sort of overachiever hard charger you were a eagle scout and an a student athlete musician you did all these things and this at one point you wrote somewhere that this was sort of like the greatest failure of your life you got oh, yeah. you got grounded and it was sort of like, well, what do I do now? And, and you did a lot of soul searching. So why don't we kind of get into it? What started to change in your thinking? What sort of revelations did you have because of this, this accident and then the grounding? Well, the first thing was, you know, even like you said on the intro, it seemed like everything was going great in my life. I'm, you know, naval helicopter pilot, officer, own a BMW, beautiful condo in San Diego, M3 yada, yada. Yeah, it was an M3. I loved it. Crashed that later that year. It was a rough year in 07. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, on the inside, I was dying a little bit day by day. I had no passion or purpose. I was just doing the minimum to get by. I was blacking out on the weekends with my friends, recovering, and just in the spin cycle, just over and over repeat. So that was really a wake-up call for me, kind of like if anybody's familiar with the prodigal son in the New Testament. He finally has to get to a very low point where he's eating literally out of a pig's trough and realizes, you know what, my, my, my father's servants back home are living better than this. I'll just humble myself and, you know, go back. So that was kind of my prodigal son low point moment. And I realized I needed to, you know, get back to my faith, which was a big part of my life growing up that I had, like you said, slowly drifted for about seven years. And then once I did that, it was just a whole series of cascading events that uh, we don't have time in 30 minutes to discuss, but it just kind of gave me a different perspective, a humility and a teachability. 
And frankly, it was kind of almost a release from a season of life where I was just not fulfilled and happy. And so I was kind of just like, you know what, this is a, a much needed reset. And so then, you know, all kinds of amazing things ensued after that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you, you went to Monterey, you got an MBA at the day, you're rewarded basically for yeah, crashing. That's God's grace right 30, there. $30 million aircraft. Yep. And then you bounced around. You were in D.C. for a while, Colorado, D.C., Colorado. You've been involved in a number of programs. But I want to make sure we spend good time talking about, because you make statements like, you know, our, our lives you know, as Christians should really be radical. They should be something that, there's only a supernatural explanation for them. Yes. And and there's also this notion of, you know, resting in, in Christ and not striving so much. And why don't you start talking about that, how you came to some of these revelations? Because, you know, your whole, your book is entitled A Better Way and your podcast. You're trying to show people there's a, there's a different way out there. It should be a common way. It should be common knowledge in the body of Christ, but it's not. Right. So why don't you start talking about some of those things that are so counterintuitive and just share with us how you came to some of the some of the big gems here. Yeah, well, I'd say you know on that note, I really got a deep and profound revelation of God's grace and unmerited favor in 2015 when I was reading Joseph Prince, which I highly recommend. Um, I actually thought he was a heretic at first and was looking to point holes in all his things. I had my you know spiritual rifle at the ready, ready to pick him Self-righteous. off. Self righteousness. Self righteousness, judgmentalist, presumptuous, you know all this stuff. And I had heard about you know end times, hyper grace, you know things. And I was like, oh, this must be one of those guys, and God's showing me you know to be aware. And I I was so ready to pick him off, and uh, I was really turned off by just you know the the picture on the book and the you know effortless, victorious living success. I was like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> But everything he said was absolutely scriptural, and it all came back to and Jesus it's a, Christ. It's his grace book, right? It's, it's his book. So the first one I read was called Destined to Reign, and the second one was called Unmerited Favor. And now he's got several others that are amazing. I highly recommend that your listeners check out Joseph Prince um, out of Singapore. But he uh, he really was able, he has an amazing teaching gift, and he was able to show through scripture, everything comes back to Jesus and his finished work. And as you said, I know we're very kind of peas in a pod, cut from the same cloth, very high intensity, which is, you know, God made us that way for a reason. But I realized that I had been putting what this religious spirit of what I call the DOD spirit, um, obviously from my time in the military, but also duty, obligation, and discipline, and being a good soldier for Christ and earning my, you know, performing. You know, we all know that we're saved by grace through faith, but then we act as if the rest of our Christian lives depend on our effort and performance, and it's just a sure path to burnout. And I'd experienced that, you know, in the crash in 07, and then I was just getting so weighed down and frustrated with the lack of breakthrough and the lack of, you know, the supernatural in my life, and just, and even when I did see the supernatural and got baptized in the Holy Spirit, this whole amazing small group I I still realized there was something, and when I read that book, I just got this incredible revelation of grace. So I'd say that's kind of the starting point on that season of life. And then there was just one series of miraculous things after the next where I was... I was working after I got in the Navy in 2014. I became a full-time realtor in the D.C., Virginia area. And so... I'm applying my same military intensity to now this, you know, very unstructured, different kind of opposite end of the spectrum career path and learned a lot. God's grace was in it. I had some amazing testimonies. Unfortunately, I don't have time to share right now. They will be in the book. Um, It's called A Better Way, Invest in Rest for God's Best. And that is what I learned in that season was that when I was getting, you know, I was really trying hard for about a year and a half to build my business. The pipeline did start filling up. I started getting some inbound calls, referrals, some really amazing deals going through the pipeline. But I just started to notice this growing sense of disquietude in my soul and unease. And I couldn't 
describe it. I was like, man, I've worked hard and now it's finally paying off. Why am I getting this way? So I ended up taking a four-day trip to a monastery out in Virginia. Uh, personal silence, off the grid, no technology, just listening to God for four straight days. And that's something I'd really recommend to a lot of people is to get out of the grind, especially this area where it's so frenetic and busy and just the atmosphere is so charged. Get away out of the DC plastic wrap, as I call it, you know, get about an hour west or whatever direction you want to go and just get into some quiet and stillness. And it was then that God released me from real estate and told him he had something amazing for for me and to just sit around indefinitely and wait on him. And that was an incredible act of faith. And as Joseph Prince says, sometimes the highest form of faith is rest. Yep. So that was an amazing season resting where I started. Resting and quietness. Resting, quiet, just listening to God, trusting that he is the one who's animating and motivating our thoughts, our desires. I really started to learn to trust the inner witness of peace, joy, and desire. And I was losing my peace in real estate, even though it made no sense. And I had this increasing faith and desire to just trust God. And, and it seemed totally opposite of anything the world would tell you to do, whether in the military, American culture, business, whatever, is I'm just going to let go of this thing I've built and it's not quite there, but it's on its way. And I'm just going to wait around indefinitely for God to just drop something in my lap. And it was a real act of faith. But then that set off a whole series of events that culminated uh, back and forth, as you mentioned, D.C., yep. Colorado, D.C., Colorado. And uh, now I'm in a point where I just couldn't have even scripted it, you know. But I, it was from taking that time to invest in rest so that I could experience God's best. So, so give us... One, two gems, nuggets, you know, that uh, you, you want to make sure you don't walk away from the interview without sharing. Yeah, well, I mean, just um, for me, sometimes realizing that when you're really trusting God and you are repenting of self-effort, self-reliance, striving, toil, and we have this very, again, that DOD spirit tells us that's the right thing to do, that's good. And there, you know, of course, God puts discipline and diligence, intentionality in us. Those things are you know, very important, and I, I have a high regard for those, obviously. But there's a, a fine line between that and getting into a place where you either consciously or unconsciously are completely depending on yourself, your effort. And there's like, it's not enough for me anymore to just be a smart guy who knows how to get things done. Like what what did God have to be part of that testimony for? Where there's no possible way this works. And we see this in scripture over and over, you know, where you do the dumbest thing possible, march around this heavily fortified city and blow trumpets. That's the battle plan, really. And we saw how that worked out pretty well, right? Yeah. For the Israelites, not so well for the people in Jericho, but, and then over and over, so many examples in scripture. And so I was just waiting in this period and God, you know, just lined things up. I became available. I became sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I journaled, spent time in the Word, talked to people, you know, prayed, and just um, then I was uh, able to go to a amazing retreat in Vail, Colorado area. And uh, just to kind of make that story short, I was able to meet people there in Colorado because I had stepped away from the real estate, you know, referred some leads to some other realtors to close them out or uh, you know, just attend the closings or whatever. And so I came back from that. And as a result, I had a job offer in a startup company and um, an opportunity to work in a ministry as a facilitator and stay in my own wing of a $14 million mansion in Edwards, Colorado, um, for only $500 a month tax deductible. At a time when Eagle County, Colorado, that area was, uh, according to USA Today, the most unaffordable place to live in the United States as far as the difference between average cost of living and average wages in the area. So 
there's no way I could have possibly scripted that. And I get this incredible blessing and it just, it does kind of fall in my lap, but I had to be willing to say no to the things that I was doing at one point and be open to other ideas and just waiting on God. So that waiting period for me was really critical and seeing amazing breakthrough with very tangible results. Yeah, we really struggle with, you know, just, you read scriptures, take my yoke upon you. you know, my yoke is easy mm. to bear, and my, the burden I give you is light. And I, I read that, I'm like, are you kidding me? This life is really, <laughs> really hard. And we have a hard time wrapping our minds around what that means. So it sounds like, you know, the, the core things, you're coming into this this mode where you realize the importance of, of rest the importance of not striving at all, and and you're sort of trying to share that with and teach others in this. Do you feel like this is kind of your your calling now? I mean, because clearly, clearly you're writing a book. Yeah, you're doing the podcast. You're drawn to do these things. Would you feel like, in some sense, this is now your higher calling? And and you're not even sure how you'll monetize this. Maybe you don't have to monetize it, right? But you feel like you're driven to do this. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. I mean, I know this is my life message and calling is to repent of that striving, that toil, that human effort and wisdom, as it says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, which is a kind of staple verse for the uh, the podcast, uh, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And again, God can do more in a moment than we could possibly do in a lifetime if we'll give him the space. And I think it's 2 Chronicles 16.9. I'm not sure the exact reference, but it says the Lord's eyes look to and fro scanning throughout the whole earth to find those whose heart Mm -hmm. is perfect towards him. And that means they trust him completely with everything, not just compartmentalized this or that, the entire enchilada. And certainly that's a journey that we walk step by step. But I think for me to come from a very type A background, very high, strong, performance oriented, uh, anxious, striving type of personality and see that not only was it okay, but it was actually necessary and good that I let God do these things that seem crazy, illogical, foolish, and um, almost too good to be true. And uh, I've heard it said that the gospel translation more accurately is really the too good to be true news. Yep. And if I am not getting a deeper revelation of God's goodness from what I'm hearing as far as a message or a truth or something like that, I'm not repenting of an inferior view of God and getting more freedom and just being blown more and more away by just how good the gospel is. It's not the gospel in my mind anymore. Yep, it's got it's incredibly good news. So, what other things? I mean, the issue of not striving—it's so easy for us to. I think most Christians really. There's been an insidious decline. I saw it in my own personal life. You know, you, you really don't believe God is, and you don't believe he's sovereign and in control, and that he's a rewarder of those who, who love him and, and obey his commands. And you just become weaker and weaker and relying on the world's stuff. And typically, it's events in our lives that kind of force us to focus in on him. So what are some of the other things that you're trying to teach people? How do you, in, in a practical sense, get people to you know, rely on him, build on his foundation, look through the lens of Christ, what what in a practical sense do you do or advise people to do? Well, I think a big thing for me is I'm still, you know, like I said, God made me a certain way for a reason. And so that needs to be surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit, as you've also learned. But um, I'm a very detail-oriented, pragmatic, results-driven person. And that's okay, because the true gospel of grace is always going to have some corresponding natural outflow. So I talk about um, the byline in the podcast is where the supernatural meets the practical. Hmm. And there's always, so I, you know, if this stuff doesn't work, if this God stuff doesn't work in business in the most, you know, bottom line oriented, you know, and anyone who's had to generate their own income or be self-employed or, you know, pay somebody's payroll, you know, this, 
this is either going to work or it's not. And it's, you're going to find out pretty quick if you're full of it or not. So this isn't something you can get away with just BSing, you know? So if it doesn't work in that context, it doesn't work. And so my thing is, and I'm also very, you know, entrepreneurial and business minded. So I just like to encourage people that even though it seems so impractical and so, you know, maybe ethereal or, you know, pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, you know, um, I find people have one of two opposite ends of the spectrum. They're either so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, where they're never willing to actually put any kind of like put their faith in practical action because they're not really trusting God. They're just expecting checks to fall out of the sky or something like that. And that's happened to me. Um, but there's always a sowing and reaping process. But then there's people on the other end of the spectrum who give the glory to God, quote unquote, and, you know, give lip service to faith and prayer, but it's all their own human effort and striving. And so the sweet spot to me is where heaven meets earth, right? Like Jesus talked about in the Lord's Prayer and where the supernatural truly does meet the practical. And if God, you got a to-do list, a uh, hundred items long, but God says, nope, throw that out the window. Uh, sometimes I find that a plan is really good to come up with, if nothing else, just to be the wood or the sacrifice on the altar that God licks up with the fire and then gives us something else. So sometimes I'll have some things ready to go. And he says, that's nice. I'm, I appreciate that. Uh, actually, I'm going to blow that out of the water. I'm going to give you something else completely different, right? But it's trusting him with that and, and just trusting and knowing that there's always going to be a bottom line impact. It may take a while, but there's never, ever not going to be a time where the supernatural meets the practical when you've put your faith in God and the finished work of Jesus and not your own performance and you're doing things that are driven and led by the Spirit, you will have practical success. I tell people all the time, I don't care whether it's Christian, faith, Muslim, whatever, why, why bother? If it doesn't have some kind of a major impact in your life and really light you up, why even bother doing it? Yeah. And I think we, you've sort of come to this. I did, you know, through my relationship with Diane, my ex-wife, and over a 10-year period of healing our relationship, understand the realness, the power, the practicality, the beauty of God's grace. It's, it's not a game. It's amazing. We have incredible power at our disposal. Yes. So we've got uh, probably three or so minutes Um what do you want to make sure? What else do you want to make sure you share with listeners? I don't, if you want to issue a call to action, if you want to, you know, just kind of share more nuggets of, of wisdom. What, what would you like to make sure you leave with the listeners? Just that, um, you know, there's a verse that comes to my mind right now. Um, it's John six twenty eight and twenty nine, and these well meaning people came to Jesus saying, "What must we do to work the works of God?" You know, it's just so many of us are, you know, primed to do. What do I need to do? You know, to prove myself to God, to earn his favor. And Jesus says, the work of God is this. Believe in the one whom he sent, i.e. Jesus. And the reason, if you really, and I just got done with three years of Bible college and studied out, you know, all the Jewish implications of the law and the way Jesus really truly was the absolute perfect perfection of the fulfillment of every jot and tittle of the old covenant law. And when you realize just how perfect Jesus was, how even the best of us under our on our best day fall so miserably short that our righteousness is as filthy or even unfortunately the word uh, not to be gross is menstrual rags to God. It is a stench in his nostrils for us to try to earn our own effort. Now under the old covenant that was different. They did have a system that was based on that. And thank God we are not under that anymore. That's the good it was news. Impossible. Impossible, right? And that's what he used the law as a tutor to bring us to Christ. And so my all that to say 
stop looking at yourself. Look at Jesus, look at what he did and listen to what he's telling you because he can orchestrate things and see around corners you can't. And if it's the most crazy sounding thing, now obviously some people operate out of imitation, not true revelation. And they'll say, somebody else did something crazy. I'm going to do that too. You know, I'm going to give away my car. I'm going to quit my job and, and or I'm going to go off my medication, you know. And uh, if it's not coming from a place of true revelation and belief in the one whom God sent, Jesus, then uh, that can get people in real trouble, right? So I definitely say take the time to have that quiet within your soul, listen to what God's saying, and realize that anyone who's ever accomplished anything of significance in the kingdom of God has always done something that was crazy foolish. They went through a time of testing, so don't get discouraged. Don't despise the days of humble beginnings. And, you know, and both of us know that can take a, a while being on the backside of Midian. You know, it took 40 years for Moses. But just put more faith in God to accomplish what he has put in your heart to do, knowing that he created you beforehand for good works that he was going to accomplish through you. And don't put so much focus on your own effort, your own, you, even, even the, you know, the big one, obedience, right? That's a big deal. And there's a lot of rewards in that. But if I, I've heard it said that obedience is the highest core value to a slave, Intimacy is the highest core value for a son. Mm. And we've been called sons and daughters of the Most High. So focus more on Jesus already did and what he can still do in and through you than what you can do on your own. I'm not sure how much more time we have because we got started a bit late. We probably have another minute or so. You've interviewed people like Tony Dungy. Yeah, Tony Dungy was a big one last summer and some other people. Any morsels from these guys, you know, talking to 10, 20, so are these people, what what are some nuggets you've pulled from them? What are some of the things you're seeing in those people's lives? and Maybe do them 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Yeah, I think the, the common thread is just that for people who have really done anything, what I really try to capture from the show is they all at some point made a counterintuitive decision that made no sense, that they had to overcome criticism and well-meaning people who tried to misdirect them and say that was crazy. But at some point, you've got to have a revelation. And if you're doing things that look just like the world... What's again, where's God have to come in for that? So Tony was a good example. He had a book deal. He did the exact opposite of what everybody in the world said was the right way to do this. And now he sold over 1.5 million copies of that book and has published 17 more, 16 more. So, you know, being willing to go against the crowd, not be to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing your mind and know that it's going to look different. It may look foolish. It may look weak. It may look despised, but we know that God uses the weak, foolish and debased things of this world to bring to not the things that are. So um, just be willing and don't be discouraged if god seems to give you crazy directions just you know and and tune into the podcast i've got plenty of great examples of betterwaypodcast.com um better with ryan haley i'm on the major platforms you know i'm my goal is to inspire people to live their life on in god's grace and rest seeing where the supernatural meets the practical cool we could we could talk for hours you and i we're going to talk afterwards over dinner so thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Again, listeners, welcome to check out Ryan's podcast at abetterwaypodcast.com. And his programs are also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, correct? And most recently, Anchor, which is a great platform for anyone who's interested in podcasting. So a recording of this program can be found at thegraceand30.com and wera.fm websites, as well as on iTunes and Stitcher. This is Ed and Ryan signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night, and be sure to tune into Grace.